to someone say hello and be seated. And God bless you. Thank you. Good crowd day and good crowd on YouTube and uh, Facebook. And a great time yesterday. If you haven't tuned in and seen us uh, in our 150 to our 1502 Bible Institute session, from you need to make a point of doing that. Make a point of watching in the days ahead. And uh, that will be uh, such a blessing to you as we continue in the life of Abraham. A man who is human and flawed, but a man who walked by faith. And what we learned from him is, and, and we taught this yesterday, uh, it was the dispensation of promise, and we've got the promises of God, and they're all true, they're absolutely true, but we've got something more than the promises of God. We're walking with the promiser. Amen, amen. Abraham didn't have a whole nation or a whole a family or a whole congregation of people that were going the same direction, but he was walking with the Lord. And the lesson is, if you walk with the Lord, you'll be walking right. You'll be walking the right way. And don't you worry about anybody else because it's all going to come out all right. So praise the Lord. So get that. It's a Bible Institute. You can just scroll to it or you can tap to it on, uh, on your YouTube connection or your Facebook connection. If you haven't got that, See, Tyler, we're right on the border of hitting 300 subscribers right now. And so we'd like to increase that number. If you haven't, you can jump right in. And at the end of the year, we're going to have graduation again. Last, last uh, June, we had uh, 57, I believe, that were so honored. And uh, we matriculate uh, hundreds over the course of time. But we like to have more and more and more people in the Word because it makes a difference. You get into the Word until the Word gets into you. Now, I hope that you're going to come back tonight. And if you come back tonight, you're going to hear one of our own missionaries because our emphasis during this month is on missions. Last Sunday, this Sunday, this next Sunday, uh, we're going to be emphasizing missions. Not a missions conference or revival, but each Sunday night, uh, we're having one of our own missionaries speak. And last Sunday night, we were so blessed to have Brother Ed speak my, that was tremendous. God bless you, Brother Ed. I was encouraged by that. The best preparation for service for God. Have you got this? The best preparation for service for God is a transformed life. Did I say it right? That's exactly it. That was Brother Ed's quote, and that is so true, a transformed life. Now, tonight, you're going to hear Brother Gabe, uh, who is the founder and director of Jude 22 International Ministries, there are a lot of folks that are suffering. They're in bondage. Brother Gabe is going to have a message straight from the throne. You need to be here. Now, if you can't be here, I want you to get one of those envelopes that says Jude 22 on it and give the very best offering that you can before you leave out today. We're going to be receiving an offering, giving an honorarium to this uh, dear servant, to all of our speakers this month, our missionaries. So please do that. If you haven't got one of those, you can, uh, you can get uh, any envelope and just write Jude 22 on it, and it will get to the right place. I want to thank all the men who show up every Saturday and clean and sanitize these facilities. We've got the cleanest, safest facilities anywhere. Everything gets wiped down, disinfected every single time. Praise the Lord. We thank God for our men. Let's give our men a round of applause. They, they come out. They work so hard. They do such a good job. But they'll tell you they have a good time at it. Isn't that right, men? We have fun doing this, and fellowship, it's just a great time that's enjoyed 
by all. And, uh, and then let me just say the last Sunday of the month, the 25th, is our 57th anniversary as a church. 57th anniversary as a church. And praise God, He's been faithful to us. And we want to be faithful to Him. And so I hope that you'll come and bring some people with you. Let's fill this place up. Now, I know all about the COVID and the issues and so forth, but I want you to bring as many people as you can on the last Sunday of the month. God will take care of us. We'll be all right. I want you to do that. And bring an extra offering. If you'd like to give something extra, 57 cents, $57, $5,700, or some combination thereof, anything you want to give, in, in honor of 57 years of God's faithfulness. We're going to have a great time. I'll be speaking morning and evening, so I guess I'll close out the month, and uh, you'll be glad you came, and we're going to just have a, a wonderful time. So give the world a smile each day. You know that everybody here, whether you think you do or not, every single person has something to offer, something to give. God didn't put you into this world as an empty, as a blank, as a nothing. There's not, this may not sound like good English, there's not any nothings among all of God's creation. It was uh, a, a dear gospel singer who used to say, God don't make no junk. And that's the truth. God don't make no junk. Every person here, every person out here that's viewing, everyone that's listening, everyone that's a part of this service or this ministry, I want you to know that God has a purpose and a plan for you. You have value before God. God values you. You have abilities. You have influence. There are things that you can do and things that you can be. I remember uh, somebody saying to me, Brad, there's a lot you can do. And at the time, I was just a, a little introverted kid, and I didn't know that there was much. But I looked around, and I'd seen other people were, were doing what they could do. And I determined that the answer to the question is, what can you do for God? The answer to that question is, whatever God enables you to do. That's it. What can I become or be for God? Whatever God enables me to be or become, I can be or become for God. Are you listening to me? So God has a plan and a purpose, and each one of us is His unique creation. We are special to God. Do you know God knows your name? I was speaking to a preacher who's seeking God's will for the next pastorate, the next place he's going to serve. And he said, you know, it gets discouraging. And I said, God knows your name. He knows your social security number. He knows your address. He knows right where you are. And he knows right where you need to be. And I would say that to every lay person today. God knows you. He knows where you need to be. And uh, when, I, when I read these tracks that uh, God has led us to revise, the very first page says it all. Life can be difficult. Can I get an amen on that? Maybe an old me, all right? Do you ever feel like nobody really cares? How many times, sweetheart, have we passed these out, distributed them, and somebody, they read that first page, and they say, boy, this was written for me. How did you know this is written for me? One famous speaker has said, if you preach on broken hearts, you'll never run out of preaching material. 
There's a broken heart sitting on every bench in our church every time we convene. Somebody's got a hurt. Somebody's got a problem. This, uh, this is it. It's got great universal appeal because everybody, everybody has experienced what we call hurt or disappointment. I can recall, talk about unusual circumstances, I was preaching some special meetings in Cincinnati, Ohio years ago. I was staying in the Holiday Inn, and uh, it was not the newest hotel, but it was one that provided me a place to sleep and a place to get up and go to church. So I was all dressed for Sunday morning church, and I got up, I, I got dressed, I had my, had my suit on, my tie, and I stepped out into the hallway, and I pulled the door shut, had my Bible under my arm, and I walked down the hallway, and there were two of the, the cleaning ladies were there. They were cleaning rooms that had already been vacated. And they looked at me and they said, where are you going all dressed up like that? And I said, I'm going to church. They said, we wish we could go to church. And I said, you know what, ladies? This is your blessed day. Because even though you've got a job to do, we're going to have church right here, right now. And those two ladies listened for the next 10 minutes while I presented the plan of salvation, I told them the sweetest story that's ever been told. I told them how Jesus came from glory, how He came to earth just for them. And on this particular day, on this date on the calendar, Jesus knew that I would be in the hallway with them and giving them the plan of salvation. And I went through it and I gave it very simply. All of us are sinners. There's a price on our sin. The, the, the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And those ladies who had said, we wish we could go to church, they got up off of their knees. We all got down on our knees there in the hallway. Must have been an unusual looking uh, circumstance, but led them to Christ, kneeling down in the hallway. They, they both asked Jesus in their heart, tears streaking down their faces. We got back up and I shook their hands. I said, by the way, ladies, what's your name? And one lady said, my name is Evelyn. And the other lady said, my name is Janice. And I said, what a small world. On this Sunday, God sent this preacher to preach special meetings in that church over yonder. I stayed in this hotel. I walked down this hallway. I found you. We had church. You prayed and asked Jesus in your heart. And Evelyn, I want you to know that's my mother's name. And Janice, I want you to know that's my sister's name. But we were all in the family of God at that point anyhow. Amen? Amen. Give the world a smile. Because you see, in this world, there are so many who don't have, they don't think, anything to smile about. Back in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 42, Psalm 42, it says in verse number 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. And it goes on. And then it says in verse 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. 
over in the 43rd, the next chapter in verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You'll notice each time that there's something added to that. Because you see, as we cry out to God and we express our neediness to Him and our dependence upon Him, why He answers us. You know, God is not some cruel, uh, dis, uh, uh, disconnected, detached kind of deity who stands afar off and won't come down and minister and intervene and help in the circumstances of your life. You know that God is that kind of a God. He's a personal Savior. And when you haven't got any bright moments, He's going to bring some bright moments into your life. You say, well, I've had bright moments, but I don't have them anymore. I think about some of my brightest moments in my life by God's grace. I can't remember the day I was born, but I'm very thankful. And many times I would pray in my mother's presence and thank God for her and my dad that because of, of them, God had given me physical life. Have you bothered to ask lately the Lord what He wants you to do with this gift of physical life? You've got something to give. You've got the gift of life. You are alive. You're breathing. Lord, how would you have me to give it? And then have you thought lately about the gift of eternal life? Those of you that have been saved the Bible way can say amen. I've been given a gift that I need to pass along. And you've been blessed, haven't you? I mean, you've got food on your table, a roof over your head. You've got a bed to sleep in. Some of you have got a job, you've got sustenance, you've got friends, you've got family, you've got folks, people in your life for which to be thankful for. Amen. And have you asked lately what the Lord would have you to be and to do with respect to all of His gifts and all of His blessings? Oh, I know it's not the month of November yet. I know it's not Thanksgiving Day yet. But let's just go ahead and praise Him today and give Him thanks because He's given us physical life and eternal life, and He's given us the, the abundant life, a fruitful life, people all around us, and things for which we can praise Him. I had a bright moment or two in my life that I can look back on and I can reflect on, and so have you. Some of these will remind you. I remember when my dad took the church in South St. Paul, Minnesota, and I was about to go into sixth grade. We left California, which at that time was like the Golden State, not so much anymore. But we left there and went to Minnesota. Minnesota was famous for snow and other things. And uh, got there, it was totally different. And I had a teacher, and I, I'm sure she probably cared for me, but every time I would say, well, in California we did it this way, she would get irritated with me and say, this is not California, and we're not doing it that way, this is Minnesota. And so I found out real fast what my position was in the pecking order or on the totem pole. And the first time I brought home a report card, I was used to getting A's, but I came home with all B's. And my mom said, Brad, that's okay, that's all right, but you can do better. And each grading period, I did a little better. I got a few more A's, a few more A's, uh, and she said, you can do better. And the last time, the last grading period, of sixth grade, I brought home all A's, and I thought for sure I'd hear something else. She said, Brad, you did great, but you can do better. But I got all A's. That's my mom. 
I had endured the culture shock and the brightest moment of, of that year was being able to say, in spite of that, and by God's grace, just a little sixth grade kid, I was able to get through the difference, the changes that had taken place. Now, I could tell you story after story about how I had not become really adept at outdoor winter sports, but we're not going to get into that. I remember going in junior high. They had the equivalent of the statewide Olympics for junior high. They had it for the high school as well. And I went to those Olympics. And that was a bright day. I remember it. And my parents were cheering for me. Went down to Hastings, Minnesota. They had a, a, a nice track. And, and uh, so I got out there. And that day I felt like Carl Lewis. I won five events that day in the Olympics for the state. And that was a, a bright day. Some of those, some of those uh, records perhaps uh, were, were uh, broken. But I, I thank God that at the time I had a, I had a bright day. I got to tell you. My mind doesn't work as well sometimes as it did in the sixth grade. And I don't always get straight A's. My recall may be pretty good for someone in my situation. But I'll tell you what, at sixth grade, I never had to say, what was that word? What was that name? Never had to do that. That was a brighter day. And those five events I won in track, why, my grandkids can beat me now. And so that was a bright day, but it's in my memory banks. That's it. That's it. I remember walking across the platform, getting my high school and college diplomas. I remember uh, receiving uh, certain awards and trophies and so forth, and those were bright days. I remember my dad and my mom watching me play football and running track, and, and even though I was outgunned and out, outplayed many times in victory, they would cheer for me, and, they, and my dad would say, that's my boy, that's my son right there, and they were proud. But the last time mom saw me, she said, I'm so glad that my kids are serving Jesus. You see, I can't run as fast as I used to run. I may not have all the recall I used to have, but I can still live for Jesus, can't we? Amen. And the verses that we have from the book of Psalms that speak of depression and speak of being cast down, uh, we don't have to park there. Every person in the world gets discouraged once in a while. All the great leaders, the prophets in the Bible experienced moments of depression. Some of the great preachers with whom I've had the privilege of rubbing elbows, I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't violate their confidence and tell you their names, but some of the ones you've seen, their pictures on national and international periodicals, I've had the privilege of spending time with them. I know that some of them suffered from depression, and some of them had dealt with difficult challenges and had melancholy. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon had to go to the south of France every year and deal with his melancholy as well as his other physical health issues. It's no secret that people can be discouraged, but we don't have to park there. We don't have to dwell there. Our dwelling and our abiding can be in Jesus Christ. And in Christ, I'm encouraged. Yes, I felt badly upon hearing that my mama had gone to heaven, and I know I'll see her again, but I want you to know that Jesus keeps me going. Jesus encourages me. We've got the Lord. We've got someone to smile about and praise the Lord. David wrote, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Think about that. Now, I never, we're not moviegoers, so I never saw the film Home Alone, and I think there were sequels to it. But the gist of it, I am told, is that a kid is left behind over Christmas. And at first, 
He thinks, man, this is great. I'm home alone. I can eat what I want. I can do it until somebody tries to break in. And then all of a sudden, he realizes what a desperate situation he has. This is how people relate to God. Sometimes when things are going well, we want to do our own thing apart from God. When the sun seems to be shining on our circumstances, why we, would want, we want to be left home alone, right? We want to do what we want to do. God's authority, which has provided us with the sunshine and the blessings that we have, is, is kind of pushed to the side, and we want to be home alone. We want our freedom. But when we exercise our freedom, while we may experience something in the flesh for a while, we end up with a life of fear and loneliness. And sir or ma'am, young person, listen to me. Right now, this may be hitting the target directly in the bullseye. This may be it. At some time in the past, when the sun was shining on your life, when things were going well, you thought, why, things are going so well, I can get along just fine. And you tried to push God to the side. You wanted to be home alone. You wanted to do it your own way. But then, then the troubles came. Then the problems came. And uh, you didn't know your way out. You couldn't get through. You couldn't achieve. And as a result of that, now you are depressed. I want to speak to everybody that finds themselves in a spiritual home alone circumstance. You're not alone. There are a lot of people hurting. A lot of people are beat up. And I'm so thankful that God has allowed us to stand in the place of encourager today. There's a fellow in the Bible by the name of Barnabas. His name is Son of Consolation. I don't know what else Barnabas was good at. I know he was in the team of Paul and Barnabas as they went out as missionaries. And then later he had his own missionary team when they split. But Barnabas' name means Son of Consolation. He's there to console. He's there to encourage. Now, the best kind of encouragement is biblical. The best kind of encouragement is factual. I mean, speak the truth in love. Don't give, don't give a false hope to people. Don't tell them everything's going to be all right when you don't know that everything's going to be the way they want it to be. Just say, you know, everything's going to be the way God wants it to be. Turn it all over to Him. Let Him take care of it. You can be at peace. You can rest in the confidence that the Lord knows what's best and He's going to take care of you. Life that's absolutely filled with the potential for disappointments leads to this emotional depression. And it's become, you talk about pandemics. It's a pandemic in this country. How many of you right now, without calling out any names, you know somebody that stays depressed most of the time? All right. Now, you've tried a lot of things. How many of you have tried a lot of things and they still stay depressed? Yeah. Yeah. What is their hope? Their only hope is in the Lord. That's it. If they have somehow pushed God aside or they've left God out of their choices and decisions in life and now they're depressed about where they are as a result of wrong choices and wrong decisions, until they get back to the point where they got off track, until they come back to God, they humble themselves and say, Lord, I am dependent upon you. I need you. They are never going to consistently experience joy until that time. Millions of people in these United States have to have 
major medical attention because of severe depression. I counsel many Christians who are not immune from that affliction. The enemy, the world, flesh, and the devil have conspired against the joy of God's people. They want us to be as discouraged as possible. They want us to focus on the fact that we're living in a hostile world that is imperfect and that things will not always go our way and it may seem like everything is stacked against us because we're Christians and so it's not a benefit of any kind and God, if you really love me, you wouldn't leave me in this mess and why am I having such a difficult time? Why am I having to go through all of this? It's just not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. Would you shut it down for just a second and let me tell you, life is not fair, life is not easy, but God is who you need to be focusing on and not the unfairness or the uneasiness of this difficult life. Here's the good news. This isn't heaven. This is the staging area for heaven. I'm getting ready to go and I am so ready to go. I am so ready to leave this place. But in the meantime, I'm not going to find me a cozy corner to get in and wrap myself up in pity and feel bad about the whole experience. Yes, there are bad things happening to good people. Yes, there are discouragements in this world. Yes, life is not fair. Yes, life is not easy. But listen to me. Jesus is sweet all the time. God is good all the time. God provides what we need. God knows where we are. He knows your address. He knows my address. He knows your hurt. He who, uh, who came and walked among us, robed in flesh, knows what you're feeling like right now. He knows better than we know ourselves. And He knows how to get us through by His grace. There is no bottom to that, to that reservoir that's called grace. It goes down, 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 down. And there is grace that's sufficient for every need. We have resources available to us that this world has no idea about. And so the world will escape into addictions and behaviors that are destructive. And you'll hear more about that tonight from Brother Gabe, I'm sure. Eighty years ago, the quartet world and the world of enjoying quartet music was awakened the first time on an early morning broadcast out of Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, farmers would be out there milking cows and, and I mean, they could see their breath and they would have the radio on in the barn. And they'd be listening to that gospel song, starting on the chorus with the basses singing, Give the world a smile each day, helping someone on life's way. From the paths of sin, bring the wanderers in to the master's fold to stay. <laughs> God gave me many things, but not that note. All right. Help to cheer the sad and lonely. Help to make him glad. Let your life so be that all the world may see the joy of serving Jesus with a smile. And that's it. The reason I smile is not because I feel good all the time. I'm not going to count for you because people hate hearing the, the listing of all your aches and pains. 
I'm not going to list for you the number of bones and joints in my body which have unbearable pain as I stand here right now. You want to know why? Because that's just a distraction. Now wipe that clean from your mind. I don't want you thinking about that. Why am I wearing a smile? Because I feel good? No. Why am I wearing a smile? Because everything is going well? No. Why am I wearing a smile? It's because it's a reflection of what's coming from glory. And that's what this world needs to see. The world does not need to see what they're doing, frowning, feeling sorry for themselves, feeling bad about their situation, feeling defeated, being depressed all the time. The world needs to see a reflection of glory. God smiling. The Lord smiling down on us. Number one, decide you have to do this. Make a decision today to give the world a smile each day. We, uh, in California, used to go out one night a week and stand on the street corners, and the men would preach, the Bible says, and we would preach brief gospel messages. Ladies would hold uh, signs with scripture verses. We'd pass out tracts, and we'd sing hymns. And I determined, as people were driving by and looking quizzically, the best way to get a good response is just put the biggest grin on that you possibly can. And I, I found that it worked, and I told everybody else, just grin as, until it hurts. Just grin. Just grin as you're holding up the sign. Don't look solemn and somber, but grin. Give the world a smile. And why not? The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth from all sin. I'm holding a sign and frowning. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Give the world a smile. Do you know I am forgiven? I am reconciled. I've been redeemed. I've been brand new. I'm a new creature in Christ. I've been declared righteous. I'm a child of God. I'm accepted in the family of God. I'm one of His own. He loves me. Now, I'm telling you right now, if that doesn't make you smile, there's something wrong. You can do it. We're never going to run out of hurting prospects. They're all around us. We need to look beyond our own problems. Look to Jesus. We need to look beyond all of those challenges and look through His compassionate eyes on a needy world. Number two decision. Decide to speak up for Jesus. We, we sang this morning in Sunday school, stand up. Stand up for Jesus. That takes a decision on your part. You have to decide to do that. You don't want to be a silent witness. A silent witness is a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Silent witness. How can you be a silent witness? I believe we sh our life should reflect Jesus, but how can you be a silent witness? A silent witness. That's kind of like being a sober drunk. That's kind of like being an honest thief. It is a contradiction in terms. We need to speak up for Jesus. What makes you smile? That's going to bring a question. You say, you know, I've got the same problems everybody's got, but I've got Jesus. That's why I'm smiling. Jesus makes me smile. Jesus gives me a smile. What a beautiful day that the Lord has made. What a beautiful day for the Lord to come again. He might come again. Praise the Lord. So decide to give the world a smile. Decide to stand up and speak up for Jesus and turn every conversation around to Jesus Christ and decide to share Scripture. We need to learn it and share it. 
I promise God today we're going to learn scripture. Let's learn, let's learn a verse once a month, once a week, whatever it takes. Maybe your gift of recall isn't very sharp right now, but you can learn a verse or a portion of a verse and share it and learn it in a sing-songy way. You know, if, if uh, you can put music to it or a joyful noise to it, sometimes it'll flow out. The Bible says that it will not return void. A man by the name of Sam Skull settled on a farm in Arizona desert with his wife and children. And one night, a fierce desert storm struck. Rain, hail, high wind, daybreak. Feeling sick and fearing what he might find, Sam went out to survey the loss on the farm that they'd worked so hard. The hail had beaten the garden and truck patch into the ground. The house was partially unroofed. The hen house had blown away. Dead chickens were scattered all over the place. Destruction and devastation were everywhere. While standing dazed among all of this destruction, evaluating the mess, thinking on all the death and destruction and wondering about the future, he heard a noise. He looked over, looked over. Under a lumber pile, there was the remains of the hen house. He saw something move, something move. All of a sudden, a rooster was climbing up through the debris and didn't stop climbing till he'd mounted the highest board in the pile. Now, he was all dazed and wet and disheveled and beat up by the storm, but you know what that rooster did. He got on top of that lumber pile that had been the hen house in the midst of all that death and that destruction, and he began to flap his wings. What did he do next? Why, he proudly crowed, and he crowed. And Sam said this, if that old bear rooster could still crow, he saw the morning sun. Even though the world seems to be falling apart, we may have lost everything, but if we trust in God, we'll be able to see the light of God's goodness. We'll be able to pick ourselves out of the rubble of the hen house of our life. We'll be able to sing God's praise. The writer of Hebrews said it this way, that no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. It doesn't seem fair. Nevertheless, after, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. What you're going through isn't going to make you happy. You're not going to praise the Lord for everything, but in everything. Give thanks. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you today say, Preacher, that message was for me. Slip your hand up high. That message was for me. Been going through some stuff. Been going through some things. Yes. Yes, got some things that hurt, got some pain, some problems, some circumstances, yes. And God knows all about it. He knows your address. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you need right now. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, why don't you thank Him for the blessing of life? Why don't you thank Him for eternal life? Why don't you thank Him for everything that you do have and then ask Him to help you to, to look to Him and see the future in Him as being bright. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, would you pray from your heart to God right now? With head bowed and eyes closed, pray something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me, and right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart 
as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Single miracle, Jesus would have still been God. 